God is good, right? God is good. He is. <laughs> he keeps being better than I even imagined. And in fact, I want to bring a, a word to you today about how the goodness of God can actually offend us. That the, the goodness of God can actually be offensive at, at times. And I want to just go on and, and warn you today. I'm, I'm preaching, but I'm not preaching to your, your mind today. I want to bypass your mind and go straight to your heart and your emotions. Okay? Today, if I preach to your mind, it will get in the way because it's going to take offense to some of the things you're going to see in the person of Jesus today. That's why we love music the way we love music because it, it bypasses our mind, doesn't it? It comes and it reaches us in a place that you can't think. You just feel the song, right? You know, and so today... The, the message maybe is more like a song than like preaching. And so I want you to turn to Luke chapter 7 because you need to be there. And I would love for you to, to follow along because we're going to look at a lot of verses today. I'm in Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 36. And as I said before, sometimes His goodness is offensive. And so Jesus has already offended some folks. He's, he's already offended them in chapter 7. He's been invited to dinner. And the problem is the people who have invited him, they've been offended by it. And so this Pharisee invites Jesus over for a meal. And he's not inviting him over for a meal the way we invite people. I imagine when you invite people, you invite them because you like them. Because you want to spend some time with them. But you see this religious man, and I'm going to probably stop using the word Pharisee except when I read Scripture. I'm going to call him religious. I think that will help us understand the, the day in which we live. Okay, So the religious man invited Jesus over for a meal. But he invited him because he wanted to trap him. They, they would ask these questions, and it wasn't because they wanted to know the answer. They would ask questions of Jesus because they wanted to trap Him. They wanted to find a reason to criticize Him so that they could discredit His ministry. And so He invites Him over for that sole purpose. How many of you would accept that invitation to dinner? Would any of you? From the one that you know has laying a trap for you. If I was Jesus, I'd have been like, Ooh, I'm busy. I mean, I, I'm saving the world, and oh man, if I wasn't saving the world, I'd, I'd surely come to dinner, but man, I'm, and just a little bit, I got to feed like 5,000 people, so I'm going to have to skip out, but I appreciate that invitation. Well, what does Jesus do? He goes, and so we find him in Luke chapter 7, in verse 36, it says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And if it wasn't already a contentious moment around the dinner table, oh Lord, look who walked in. Look at verse 37. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Anybody know this story now? Some of you may have already heard this story. Now here, I want to tell you something that I believe. I believe the, the woman that's mentioned here is different than the woman who is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and John. Amen. Amen. We blend those stories together, so anytime we hear a story about a woman and an alabaster box and some perfume, 
we think those are all the same stories. I'll tell you, I think this one's different. It's different than the other three readings if you look at them real close. And Jesus says more in this one than He says anywhere else. And so, there's this woman. We don't know who she is. We don't know her name. But we know one thing. She's a sinner. She's renowned. She's famous. (laughs) For sin. How about that? Huh? She was a prostitute. It don't say it. But that's who she was. Everybody, Everybody knew it. Because when you talk about a woman in those days being immoral, when you talk about them being a sinner, they wasn't talking about somebody that cheated on their taxes. They talking about a prostitute. Verse 38, she was standing behind him at his feet and she was weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. She kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with this perfume. Let's talk about this woman. This prostitute person famous for their sin person's been labeled anybody showed up to church this morning and there's been a label on you 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 might have put it on yourself you say i'm i'm a sinner i'm i'm like her or maybe somebody else has put a label on you because they they went to school with you right They remember you back in the day. And and so your reputation has preceded you. And so you you got a you got a label. She comes with this label, sinner, immoral, prostitute. And it doesn't say that she's ever met Jesus before. We we don't know. She's probably heard of him because earlier it says that Jesus had this reputation of hanging out with sinners. You see, the religious don't want to hang out with the sinner. But Jesus was famous for hanging out with them. They liked being around him. It's amazing that he could be fully God and yet be embraced by the sinners. But he was. And and so we don't know if they've ever had a conversation or not. And one of the things you might ask is, well, how in the world did she even get in the house of this religious man? Surely he'd have found a good reason to keep her out of the house, right? But you see, the culture of the day said you couldn't keep anybody out. And so he had to let her in. The religious man didn't want her in. She was going to mess this thing up. He knew it from the beginning. He said, this is an unclean woman and I'm religious. And if you were unclean in those days, if you were an unclean person, then everything you touched, guess what? it became unclean too. Can you imagine just how bad this is is for this religious man? He's like, oh, I hope she don't touch anything because then I'm going to have to go through and wash everything and cleanse it and and I'm going to have to make it pure. I hope she just don't touch anything. Well, she didn't care about any of his stuff anyway. She didn't care. That ain't why she came. She wasn't coming to touch his stuff. She needed to get to Jesus. Yeah. I don't even think she knew why. 
I, I don't even think she knew what was going to happen when she got there. She just said, I have heard about a man. You remember that Syrophoenician woman? She said, you got to come and see a man. It, it, it seems like telling me everything about me. This woman, she says, I got to come to Jesus. She don't even know why. Probably doesn't even know what to expect. She's probably got some doubts and she's got some fears. There might be somebody in the room. You wondering if you can get to Jesus. You got some doubts and some fears. You know what you ought to do? You ought to take them with you. Yeah, if you got some doubts or some fears or some concerns about what's going to happen, you ought to take them to Jesus. Because I got a feeling that when it comes in contact with Jesus, He's going to make it all right. Amen. And so she comes not knowing what in the world she's going to expect. And somehow, this look of Jesus. Have any of you ever wanted to have been able to just look into the eyes of Jesus? I'm like, what did He look like? Somehow... He looks into her eyes and they don't say a word. There are times where a moment is too rich. It's too large for words. They don't say a word. He just looks. He lets her touch. Oh, you don't let sinners touch you? Well, you've been told all your life, hadn't you, that God can't look on sin. That surely God wouldn't have anything to do with sinners. And now all of a sudden, did you forget who she is? She touches him. But I tell you what's even more profound. He led her. Yeah. That's even more profound. That she had the guts to touch him. And he had the love to let her. And she breaks down. She becomes undone. Have you ever become undone at the feet of Jesus? Just crying. It, it says in here, she's, she's not just crying, she's sobbing. She's, <gasps> you ever had one of them kind of cries? She can't catch her breath crying. She is weeping, she is sobbing to the extent. Have you ever made a puddle with your tears before? You ever been in that situation? She is making a puddle and they are falling on his feet. And I've had some of those moments in my life. And I can't cry without my nose running. There's something connected between my, my tears and my sinuses. And if I'm crying, I'm snotting. And can you just see the tears and the snot? And the religious people are just looking, going. Can you see them turn up their nostrils? It's disgusting. Jesus doesn't say a word. He, he lets them fall on his feet. He begins to, she begins to let her hair down. Oh, Lord, you know what happens when a prostitute lets her hair down? And I ain't trying to be funny, but the religious people are going, I'm, a, I'm uncomfortable and I'm offended. And what does Jesus do? God in the flesh. He lets her. She begins to wash his feet with her hair. She begins to kiss him. And they're like, oh my goodness. This is going too far. Now she's kissing his feet. And he lets her. Because somehow she needs this. She needs to know that he'll accept her at that kind of level. And so she begins to kiss him. And now this perfume. Oh, this ain't ordinary perfume, y'all. 
No, this is business material. Do you understand what I'm saying? This perfume is for the business. And a lot of times we think that when we've committed sin and we've done stuff and, and all of a sudden she pulls out another reminder of their business and they're like, too much, can't handle it. Now she done broke open the, the perfume. And she begins to anoint him. And this religious man has had all he can take. And his mind goes to this place. Now he doesn't say this out loud. Because in that respect we all a little bit religious, aren't we? Right? We, we know not to say everything out loud. Now, there's some of you, you ain't learned that. If it, I'm imagining there's somebody out here that if it comes in your mind, it's coming out your mouth. Right? But he's a good Pharisee. He's learned to control his mouth. Now, look what he says. It says in verse 39, Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, see, not to anybody else, just under his breath, in his mind. He said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him. That she is a sinner. And then this uncomfortable moment arises when Jesus reads his mind. Mama. Mm. <laughs> Jesus looked at him and read his mind. And he says, uh, Simon, I'd like to tell you a story. And he said, oh, okay. And he says, and I'm going to just paraphrase the, the story that's here. He said, there's two people. He said, one owes 500 pieces of silver. The other owes 50 pieces of silver. Look at verse 42. It says, when they were unable to repay... He graciously forgave them. Amen. He looks at that Pharisee and he says, she has done this offensive thing because she realized when she came into my presence that her sins were forgiven. Amen. She realized she couldn't pay. That's why she came to Jesus. Because she's undone. She tried everything else. You know, she she done everything else. That's why she came, because she knew she couldn't pay. And then Jesus goes on, and you know, sometimes Jesus says, well, while I'm offending, let me just go on. And so he looks at Simon over in verse 47, and he says, for this reason I say to you, now he's talking to Simon, he says, for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Wow. In fact, I, I need to back up for just a minute. Look at verse 42. He, at verse 44, he, he's talking to Simon and he says, do you see this woman? Now, when we read woman in Scripture, we think maybe that's a derogatory term. I mean, we don't go around and you just look at somebody and say, hey, hey woman. We don't do that, right? And that's not what this Scripture is saying. This is not a derogatory term term the word woman when jesus used it if you remember when he looked at his mother he said woman it was an endearing term it was like lady ma'am it carried with it honor oh now see that's already offensive isn't it isn't it 
Because everybody else knew her according to her sin. She's not a woman. She's not a, a ma'am. She's not a lady. She's a sinner. And she's remembered by her sin. But when Jesus looks at her, He strips away the sin. He separates the, the sinner from the, from the sin. And He calls her. He calls her for who she is, not a sinner. Lady. Lady. He gives her respect. It's probably the first time she's ever had any respect from a man. Honestly. Probably the first time she's ever had any respect from a man. He calls her ma'am. And he says her sins are forgiven. Now can I be religious for just a minute? Can I raise a question? <laughs> um, Jesus, she didn't ask to be forgiven. Look back at the text. Look back at the text. See, they, they never said a word. They never said a word. She never asked to be forgiven, y'all. She never asked. He forgave her not because she asked. He forgave her because she needed it. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. He forgives you not because you asked, not because you did something. He wasn't forgiving her because of all that act that she did. There are people that would read that and they say, well, the reason He forgave her is because she was so repentant that, that he, he forgave her. And I would say, no, read the text. She never asked for anything. She didn't even know what to ask for. He forgave her because that's what He knew she needed. That's what you need. That's what you need. But the religious, the religious will tell you, though, you got to get yourself right. You got you to do something. You got to get yourself right, and then, and then Jesus will forgive you. What did Jesus tell that other woman he, that was caught in sin? He said, Woman, ma'am, lady, separate her. Mm -hmm. He said, I do not condemn you. Mm -hmm. Now go and sin no more. No. You know what the religious will tell you? The religious will tell you, now go and sin no more. And then God won't condemn you. I need to let that set in because that thing is pervasive in our culture. It is pervasive in our religious culture. The religious system tells you, go and sin no more, and if you can do a good enough job of it, then God won't condemn you. Can I take you back to the text, to the woman that didn't ask for forgiveness? Jesus looks at her and He says, this woman's sins are forgiven. Can you imagine if you're that woman? She's sitting there looking and going, oh, did He just say my sins are forgiven? Can you imagine? She's like... I think He was talking about me. And just so, because God is so good through His Son, Jesus Christ, He looks her in the eyes. And He says, man, your sins are forgiven. Just in case you weren't sure who I was talking about. In verse 48, Then He said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. My goodness. And so he forgave her sins. And she didn't even ask. Because Jesus is representing not the heart of the religious culture. 
He's representing the heart of the God the Father. Did you catch that? You see, Jesus never comes to represent the religious system. He doesn't carry their heart. <laughs> he carries the heart of the Father. And so He forgives a woman who doesn't ask. And then He does judge her. Because God does judge sin. Watch how He judges her. Can I, can I play this out for you? He looks at her and He judges her and He says, I judge you forgiven. The religious system don't know nothing about that. The religious system wants to judge you for your sins. Jesus comes with a judgment, but look at how He judges her. He says, I judge you. I judge you forgiven. He says, I judge you. I judge you worthy of my love. He says, I judge you. I judge you as one that I would receive as a child of God. See, we don't even understand judgment because we don't understand goodness. Because <laughs> a lot of times we're about as good as the religious system. So don't, don't get too cocky. Right? Because the religious and the world seeks to judge everybody they can find. And so Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to do some judging myself. Watch this. I judge you forgiven. I judge you worthy of my love. I judge you as a child. All you need to do is to receive my forgiveness. And then he looks at her and he says, woman, ma'am, lady, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Now there are people who would say, man, I just don't, I don't know if I, if I have that kind of faith. Can I tell you where faith comes from? Because the religious system will tell you that some people were, were born with it and some weren't. That some people were gifted with it and some weren't. And that you might just be one of those people that for whatever reason, you just don't have enough faith. Everybody else does, but you don't. Here is the source of faith. The source of faith is in the goodness of God. Amen. That's where it comes from. Amen. If you will have an encounter with the goodness of God, then you can believe what He says about you. My God. Most people cannot believe what God says about them because it's better than what everybody else says. Amen. So it's hard to believe to begin with. And so they don't even have this encounter. And that's the thing that troubles me with the church is that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be those ones who are going to people and they're telling people, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But the religious people say, no, don't, don't do that. Because if you tell them the sins are forgiven, they're going to go back out and sin. And so the church dangles forgiveness over people in order to control them and try to get them to do the right thing. And, he, and, and, and the religious system will dangle that stuff over you, trying to control you and make you do the right thing. But here's the thing, when Jesus came, He didn't come to control you. He came to set you free. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
He didn't have any interest in controlling you. He came to set you free. Sin's been controlling you anyway. Sin had control over her. He came to set her free. And so we literally have the power to go around and tell people, you know what? Your sins have been forgiven. Now this woman, it says that her faith made her whole. It, it saved her. Salvation. We need to make sure this is clear, okay? Salvation is more than a ticket to heaven. Okay? Come on, If that's all you got, you didn't get enough. Okay? You, you need to come back and you need to drink again because salvation means more than, whoo, I, I just barely got out of hell. <laughs> and I'm grateful for I got my ticket and now I'm just going to hold on and hope I don't do nothing else. No, you see, His goodness brought about faith in this woman. She says, I, I believe Him. And, and because I believe Him, He just told me that my sins are forgiven. And He just made it possible for me to have a relationship with Him. And now that relationship allows me to be fully saved. What does fully saved mean? Can I put a little Greek on you Come for on, just sir. a moment? Come on, sir. That word salvation in Greek means sozo. Uh -huh. And it means fully whole. He tells this woman, your faith has made you fully whole. It's made your mind whole. It's made your body whole. It's made your emotions whole. It's made our relationship whole. And therein is the key to it all. You see, salvation starts by regaining relationship. The religious system says that our sin caused God to turn. When I look at Jesus, He let her touch Him. The old system, the old covenant says that if sin touches something, it makes it unclean. The New Testament, the new covenant says this, when Jesus touches something that's unclean, He'll make it whole. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't miss the covenants. The old covenant says if you touch something, if sin touches something, it makes it unclean. The new covenant says when Jesus touches what is unclean, He'll make it clean. Amen. You see, it started with relationship. He mended the relationship. He said it's good with us. And now, does anything compare to this goodness that she's just experienced? No. So then, if all she does is she just continues to come back to the feet of Jesus, then He begins to work His work in her, which is to bring wholeness to her mind and to her body and to her emotions. And He begins to save everything. And He says, go in peace. Now you know she ain't had peace. She ain't, she ain't known peace. There are some people that they don't know peace because they ain't ever met Jesus. And they've never had a relationship. And so they think peace isn't having stuff and getting stuff and doing stuff. They didn't realize peace was a person. And that every time I'm face to face with Him, I'm, I'm at peace. And so this woman is transformed. You see, let me just make this real clear, okay? 
Forgiveness makes way for repentance. Amen. We thought repentance made way for forgiveness. <laughs> repentance means transformation. It means a metamorphosis. It's like a butterfly that comes from a, a, a caterpillar to a, to a butterfly. We always thought we got to change and then God will give us forgiveness. Can we settle that today? Huh? I, I tried to see if there was anybody earlier that I could find that hadn't sinned. Because if that was the case, then they would be somebody worthy of forgiveness. But everybody I talked to, I, and I talked to some people that I thought might have a shot at it. Okay? I, I should have talked to you, I just didn't get around to it, okay? But I, I talked to a lot of people that I thought were really good, and if there was anybody who could have repented so that God could have given forgiveness, I asked them, but they said they had sinned too. They said they'd sin too. So it is not repentance that brings about forgiveness. It is forgiveness that brings about a transformation in my life. That's how it works. Now, can I give you one last? It's the, the little hook to the story. Can I give you that before we go? Yes, sir. Because I've been a little bit hard on the religious. <laughs> and when you have tasted of forgiveness and you've tasted of grace then when you taste of religion, it can make you almost a little bit nauseous, can it? You know, when, when you put those things together, once you have tasted the love of God and the forgiveness of the grace of God, and you have, you know, He has judged you worthy of His love, and then somebody wants to dangle that stuff over your life, all of a sudden then you can get a little bit agitated by the religious. Any of you ever been a little agitated by the religious? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want no part of them. Right? And you try to distance yourself from them because you're like, I don't, I don't want their toxicity. I, I don't want to be around them. Can I give you the hook in the story? You remember I said that Jesus told a story? I want to tell it to you again. There was somebody that owed 500 pieces of silver and there was somebody that owed 50 pieces of silver. And in verse 30, 42 it says, And when they, plural, were unable to repay, He graciously forgave them both. Did you get it? Guess what? There was two people in that story. And Jesus forgave them both. Amen. And neither one of them asked. Amen. Don't forget that he's also forgiven the religious. Amen. <laughs> See, a lot of times we think we've come so far. We've become so set free. And we'll begin to judge the religious. And we'll begin to talk about them. And if we aren't careful, that'll divide churches if you ain't careful. And you'll think you got something they don't have. They'll think they got something that you don't have. And all of a sudden, you start pushing each other apart. I wonder who's been trying to orchestrate that separation. Wow. That's why Jesus went to dinner. It wasn't because He wanted to get into a religious debate. It's because He wanted to forgive both of them. In fact, he had forgiven both of them. They just didn't know it yet. 
but it was the one who had so many sins. It just made it easier for her to realize how much she needed him. For the one who wasn't forgiven much, who thought, man, I'm pretty good at this thing. I mean, I done done a lot. I, I done fixed a lot. I'm, I'm pretty far along now. The story is to say, you can't pay. You can't pay. And every time you try to pay, it doesn't go to your account. It goes against your account. <laughs> this is for people who can't pay. So when I'm standing at that story and I'm looking at it, <laughs> I'm offended. His goodness blows my mind. My mind can't wrap itself around it. I, I can't understand how when he walked into the room, he was forgiven both of them. Because you see, in a lot of us, there's still just a little bit of us that likes to judge. <laughs> yeah. The religious like to do it. Those that don't have any religion like to do it. And when Jesus came, he said, let me show you how to judge rightly. I judge you forgiven. And how did we get there? Romans 2 verse 4 says this. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I pray you have encountered in a way that maybe you couldn't wrap your head around today, but your heart got it. You know, your, your heart just says, I, I, I think I got it. <laughs> I, I think I have felt something in Jesus that has changed me. And I'll have to wrap my head around it later. Yeah? Can I throw one more thing in? Let me throw one more thing in. Let's talk about the woman for just a moment. Okay? Because that, that worship that she gave, that worship was obnoxious. But it was received by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went last night to a, uh, a celebration. It was a five-year cancer-free celebration for one of our folks here in the church. Her name is Annie. Some of you know her as the tambourine lady. And Annie comes in with her tambourine when she can make it. She just wails on that tambourine. And if you were sitting beside her, you might say, boy, that tambourine is loud. And that's, that's obnoxious. And I would tell you that that's Annie's worship because, see, she almost died. But in the goodness of God, He saved her from cancer. She's five years last night celebrated it. I hope you wouldn't let anybody's worship offend you just because they have experienced God at a level that you have not. I, I hope you wouldn't look at that like a Pharisee and go, that's awful obnoxious and loud. Yeah? I, I hope you wouldn't look at somebody, Lord, Miss Jeter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I hope you never look at Miss Jeter and go, her worship is loud and obnoxious. I'll tell you, she's got a story and if you hear it, you'll know why she worships that yes, way. Sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good worship is offensive sometimes. 
It'll offend the religious. If yeah. you've been offended by something that has happened here, by somebody that's worshiping like a fool, well, we fools for Jesus. So you got to worship like Jesus done something for you if He has. And you can't, you can't bottle that thing up. That other lady with the alabaster box, she broke it. She broke the box. You know why? Because she said, I ain't going back. And I've been broken. I know what it feels like. And He made me whole. And worship comes out of that place. That's where worship comes from. And it ain't looking around trying to see, I wonder who's looking at me. That kind of worship could care less who's in the room. As long as Jesus is in the room, they're going to find His feet. They're going to find His feet. I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity while we sing. I'm giving you the opportunity to find His feet. I'm giving you the opportunity that if you have a label to come down and trade the label, to let the label come off. Some of you still call yourself sinner. You need to drop that label and pick up the label of child of God. I'm going to stand down here. Y'all lose the labels. If you need to come down here and turn your label into me, turn it in. I dare you to. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will give you a new name. Amen. Child of God. Amen. Forgiven. Whole. Saved. Don't walk out of here with a label. Don't walk out of here with a label. Don't, don't walk out of here addict. Don't walk out of here drunk. Don't walk out of here good for nothing. Don't walk out of here with a label when Jesus Himself says, if you'll come to My feet, you can trade it in. That's the offer. Let's sing. Y'all stand up. Let's worship. <laughs> Amazing love that welcomes me the kindness of mercy yeah. that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving yeah don't be offended at his goodness your soul So oh. 